I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And this is going to be a short show because there's really not much to talk about when it comes to the Arizona Wildcats and the happenings down in Tucson. Right, Brett? Yeah, I mean, coronavirus makes us really have to stretch out content like we've done most of the 2020 <laughs> year. Uh, very little to talk about. So, you know, we should probably do like just like a mailbag thing or something. I don't know. I, I think so. I mean, there's, I guess there is this whole thing where Arizona football hired a coach. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, December 23rd, and this morning the news came out that Arizona had given the job to Jed Fish, who is currently, or I guess now the most recent formerly, the New England Patriots quarterback coach. Before that, he's been pretty much everywhere in the NFL and college football. You may remember him from being UCLA's interim head coach a few years ago for two games. Um, what's the easiest way to say this? No, it's... There are a was, lot of names was that, being. Was that was that he's been every, uh, everywhere <laughs> like a, a a backhanded slight at how many jobs he's. It was to it was a lot quicker than going through every single job he's had prior to this one. But <laughs> given the names that were rumored, and that it's all rumors, right? We heard Ken Matalolo, we heard Brent Brennan, we had Brian Harson who ended up at Auburn. We had uh, Alex Grinch was supposedly interviewed. Like there were a lot of names that were brought up in connection to this job. Jed Fish doesn't seem to be a better name than all those guys. Now, whether they were offered the job, whether they wanted the job, we don't know. But the initial reaction to Jed Fish is just like, really? Him? Like, I, that's how I thought. Like, I wasn't mad. I wasn't excited. I was just kind of like, okay, uh, all right. Yeah, it, it, it feels like Dave Hickey told Bobby Robbins, university president, you Arizona president, excuse me, uh, you know, we need a new football coach, and Bobby Robbins said, "Go fish." Ah, and there then it Arizona is. fans are like, "Throw it back." <laughs> I, I mean, Brett, your your opinion on this? Because I, I know we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, when Arizona, we knew they were looking for a coach, and like, I know I didn't have a favorite. Like, I mean, some emerged for me. I'm like, oh, that guy sounds good. Like, I I can buy that. But the one thing I knew, and I think we everyone knows this, even Arizona fans who aren't fan of the fish hire, knew this is that. It's Arizona football. You're not going to get Urban Meyer. You're not going to get Nick Saban. Dabo Sweeney isn't leaving his job to come to Arizona. So no matter who you hired was going to have some question marks. Was it, could their success translate to a Power 5 conference, the Pac-12? Could this person recruit and win in out west? Do they have those connections? Is this person ready for a big job to be the head coach, right? Like No matter who Arizona got, there were going to be questions. Fish, of course, has questions. 
They're just different than the other ones, like say a Brent Brennan would have had, or a Namatololo would have had, or some of the other guys would have had. Like, is that fair? Yeah, I here. here I, I've had a few hours to digest the news today. A few hours, will, a few beers, like it helps. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> loose lips sink ships, which then is where you sleep with the fishes. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I will. I will be. Uh, I, I will say I was originally not a Brent Brennan person, and then as I kind of got to know more about him, I became more of that. I wasn't necessarily a Ken guy. I was not, Fish was not my top choice. I will I will go on the record at saying that. Um, but in, in in kind of thinking thinking it through, I think your your assessment is right that there was not gonna you know you're not gonna get the the right guy like even Parsons like you know. We're not outbidding Auburn for Boise no. State's football. And Harson had right? questions too, because Boise State coaches don't always translate outside of Boise State. Right. Um, so I want to I want to take a step back and approach this hire from a broader perspective before I, because like honestly, I think Jed Fish in all of this hiring is the guy that comes out by far the rosiest, even though the the, the general fan consensus is. Uh, less than pleased Um, because that guy's coming in with absolutely zero expectations not much of a roster if he wins three games next year freaking here um the 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 real question for me of the whole hiring process and if you followed along with the with the various uh you know the message boards and things like that all signs point to this was a Bobby Robbins hire and not a Dave Heakey hire for the second hire in a row. You know, I'm, I'm on the record as not being the world's biggest Dave Heakey fan, but also you seem to have a, an AD that is there in name only. And to <laughs> quote John C. McGinley's Bob character from office space, you know, what would you say you do here? Um, <laughs> but like, if he's not making, if he's not making the football hire, that sets a weird precedent for future hires in any sport. And that um, kind of came up, though, in he or in uh, the press conference today, introducing Fish as a coach. And they like he or Robinson, like or they met, he met Jed Fish three years ago when they interviewed him in twenty seven. I guess it was twenty eighteen at that point, I think, or twenty seventeen. After they fired Rich Rod, Jed Fish was one of the guys they interviewed, and I'm assuming he was a finalist. And part of me goes back thinking, we're like. I wasn't sold on any single coach for this job because I'm like, yeah, I could, I could get on, I could get on board with most of these guys. I could see the reason, like, I could see a reason why Fish was an attractive coaching option. He has a lot of experience yeah. with NFL coaches, with some of the best college coaches, best NFL coaches. Like a job that people have is like he's had 14 stops in the last 23 years. So it's like, why errors? Like this guy doesn't oh. stick around. And his answer, I thought to that question, was perfect. He's like, well, I wanted to be a head coach. Now I'm a head coach. Like, what else is there to do? Like well, that makes he, sense. He, he, he can name drop and beat anybody as a somebody that's not been a head coach. <laughs> so, but like for so all I, those stops. And I, I've been reading stuff. Michigan fans seem to like him. Think he's a good offensive coordinator. You know, so there's there's things that you could look at and say, okay, I. And I don't think it's necessarily twisting or anything to try to or stretch and make. Okay, there are some intriguing aspects of Jed Fish being the head coach. I think back to about three years ago when Arizona hired Kevin Sullivan, and I was ecstatic. And I imagine a lot of people right now who are just so upset and mad. And just like, oh, Jed Fish is going to be terrible. What is Arizona doing? I would bet three years ago, they were pumped as hell for Kevin Sumlin. 
which goes to show not to say that Jet Fish is going to be good. It's just to say that we don't know. Because how many people are saying, we don't want to retread this time around? You know, go with the up-and-comer young coach. That's what Jed Fish is. He is an up-and-coming young coach. It's his first head coaching job. He's got a track yeah. record. of Like, his resume isn't bad. It's very vast. But it's not bad. It's got, so, it's got, like, a, lot of, it's got a lot of rows on it. It, it does. <laughs> so, like, his is not a one-page resume. So, like, I, I get the disappointment because, like, I felt it too because, like, there were certain questions like, oh, like, Brent Brennan would have been an easy choice, right? Like, he's coming off a good season. He's been a head coach. Seems like a program builder. Kenda Matalolo, like, now I learned how to pronounce his name after I'm not going to need to know it. Like, he's one where he's at, you know? But there were questions about all these guys. There's not one person who said, that's the coach. So if you want to make the case for Jed Fish, I think it's possible. But to your point, Brett, like, it should be a no-pressure situation because no one expects this team to be any good for the next couple of years. The problem is Jed Fish walks into this with people already being against him. There's no honeymoon. There's If you don't win early, like you, you have to win this fan base over, and it's going to be hard to do that because the team's going to be like most likely be bad. Well, yeah, so I want to... Yeah, like I said, I think Fish is by... you know. I have a good friend who one time told me that happiness is the delta between expectations and reality. And good news for Jed Fish, expectations are through the floor, right? You know, if he fields a roster with the complete uh, 85 scholarship players next year, most Arizona fans will be like pleasantly surprised at this point. (laughs) That's right. If Uh, you just have a roster that's above expectations. (laughs) Well, and and the and the the thing is and to go back to like to the Hiki thing like Hiki sunk his battleship when he did that press conference and basically listed out all those things of like we want somebody that is connected to the community connected to the university like well Fish's was, daughter I, went to U of A apparently so that's a connection Brent I Brennan's mean, connection wasn't exactly very strong either no and like, let me let me let me let me go on record and say it. I am not somebody that thinks you should hire alums in fact I think there's a major risk in that because like you hire the 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 old alumni hero it's really hard to fire him right um tell it to the like, sons who had no problem canning jeff hornacek well it, there's a different thing in the pros <laughs> in my mind um but yeah so there's there's a weird you know putting robbins and hiki and that whole debacle aside and that relationship aside you know Fish is something of, I mean, he hasn't been around long enough to quite fully know what he is capable of, and he's never been a head coach before, right? Mm-hmm. So the real question in my mind is, how can he fill out a staff? It sounds like he's going to go NFL heavy and try to play on that from a recruiting angle. You know, the I didn't listen to all the press conference today, but I got some of the, the Cliff Notes things, and it's like, all right, so like he's clearly had at least a few conversations, and he knows... You know, he's he's looked at the Territorial Cup Wikipedia page. Um, so, he, you know, he's he knows to say a couple of things. But like the to your point, the the grace period is going to be real light and a universe like in my mind, this is this is Bobby Robbins really like putting his neck on the line. I think similar to how Ray Anderson did with Herm Edwards when people mocked the Herm Edwards hire a few years mm-hmm. ago. And it's like, if Herm Edwards doesn't work out, Ray Anderson is absolutely fired because he was way too close oh, with Herm they Edwards. Fired, they fired high. Todd Graham to hire Herm Edwards. And let's remi- no search. Remi- let's remind everybody that Todd Graham, that was his dream job. And he would, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I, I can't pass up an opportunity to take a swipe at Todd no, Graham. You're right. Like, and I'm, 
I guess we'll never quite know how this hire came about. You know, because like I said, in the press conference, uh, Fish was asked, he's like, he met, he said he met Dr. Robbins in 2017. That it wasn't like Robbins performed the heart surgery on him or anything. He just knew all of him. Like, but that's when they met, which doesn't really give a lot of meat to the idea that like maybe Robbins pushed for this hire because he liked him because they interviewed him three years ago and almost gave him the job then. So maybe he's like, yeah, I liked that guy. That was my second choice. And let's circle back and see. Like a lot of people thought Namatololo was a second choice back then. Maybe it was fish all along. Like that's possible. Like the idea that Robert Robbins, Dr. Robbins had a heavy hand in this. Of course he did. I mean, he's a school president. He, he was asked about that in the press conference. Like, yeah, well, I have a lot, I have a lot to say about every department here. Like, oh, he, he a hundred percent confirmed yeah. that. He highly influenced Does that it. mean Dave Hickey didn't want Jed Fish? I'm not sure it's that way. Like, Dave Hickey might have liked someone else, too. Like, there might have been a close. Like, I don't imagine Jed Fish was a distant second, and then Roberts put him over the top. I don't buy that. And again, like, I could see reasons for Jed Fish being an intriguing candidate. From now, people are killing this hire, especially Arizona fans. Cause I, don't, I, don't, I guess they wanted Brennan, a guy who had a losing record at San Jose State, who I like mm-hmm. Brent Brennan. If it was that guy, if it was Brennan, I would have been pleased. Like, that's the guy I grew to feel like was the right choice. Like, I'll admit that. That would have been like, okay, that makes sense. Like, let's see if he can do it at U of A now. Because San Jose State is different than University of Arizona. So there were question marks. There's no guarantees there. But he's, he felt better than Jed Fish did, or does, I guess, right? So, like, the way I see this is Fish is – what makes him intriguing and a possibly attractive candidate is he has those NFL connections and connections all over college football. What kind of staff can he bring in? And that's every head coach. Now, I think I saw they budgeted $3.7 million for his staff, which is more than someone had. So maybe if he goes out there and brings in the NFL connections, some big-time college football program connections, and builds a staff, they're like, hey, these guys are good coordinators, they're good recruiters, they're good schemers, then it could work. Just like Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards isn't a brilliant coach, but he brought in some really good coordinators. You know, including one who allegedly interviewed for the Arizona job, Antonio Pierce, who then spun that into a raise from ASU. Good for him. So, like, this idea that Jed Fish is going to fail, no, I don't know that. And again, three years ago, I thought Kevin Summon was going to be a home run. So, Jed Fish needs that time, like any other coach would need, only, again, like, they're not going to be very good this year, most likely. Now, maybe with a wonky transfer portal, when everybody in college football being in it, <laughs> maybe they can fill out their roster with some veterans and be more competitive than you think, but... We'll learn a lot with how Jed Fish is going to do based on the staff he can hire. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. And Pinnick and me expects a uh, obligatory alum on the staff just to like, you know, the win token the proverbial, alum. <laughs> which is, you know, it's not the right approach in my mind. Um, I mean, but. President Bobby Robbins, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he literally said that uh, nobody will care if you're winning. Which that was basically, basically his thing. It's, he's right. Which he's he's right as long as he wins. Because <laughs> if 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 Jed Fish, if we're three years in and Jed Fish has you know won a combined three games, <laughs> then Bobby Robbins is not going to have a job, right? And also, can I just point out that we really missed out on the opportunity to have a heart surgeon potentially hiring a guy whose last name was Grinch two days before Christmas. <laughs> I mean, the pod writes itself. Yeah, it's a shame they won't have any type of puns they can make off of Jed Fish's name. There's nothing that could come of that, so massive disappointment. I, ar- 
I already did one to open the show, Adam. I know, and there's so many. There's so many to choose from. He even made one in his uh, press conference. He's like, I think he said, like, a school of fish. Like, he'll be coming to Tucson, like, his family and everything. So, like, I'm not going to say that that Jed Fish is going to turn Arizona around. Because there's no evidence that suggests that he's a program builder. But for a lot of people to be so upset right now, like, I wasn't excited, but I'm not upset. Because like, what do they have said? Like, they're not upset over Jed Fish. No one's saying this guy is a train wreck. He has like, there's no reason to be a head coach right now. Like, there's you can make the case that he deserves a shot at being a head coach now. Like, he never played college football or high school football. I get he was a tennis player, but I don't think that's necessarily a requirement. I'm trying to think of. I know there's like a coach, a high level coach somewhere that didn't play either and is just really good. Like that can happen. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, if you know the game and he seems like a grinder, seems like a guy who's going to work hard, and I imagine. He's, this is the second time he's interviewed for the job, so he knows what it takes, or at least he knows how difficult the job can be, and time will tell if he can handle it. Time will tell if he can be the right guy. Like Again, three years ago, we all thought someone was the right guy. He definitely was not. So how can we be sure that Jed Fish isn't? I mean, <laughs> that I, I don't disagree with you, but also at the same time, you could make that argument about literally any reasonable hire and that that's like, my point though and i and, think he and, is a yeah. reasonable hire like that, that's my point i think he's a reasonable hire who deserves that benefit of the doubt that's all yeah i mean we're gonna i i, I think we'll probably have a clearer sense of the quality of the hire sooner than we even think like at the end of the day it's going to matter in wins and losses right um and you know check back in two three years it's it, <laughs> You know, the, the real question is, uh, what, will he be here in three years? I don't I don't know. And it might be for good reasons or bad reasons. Right. Um, and only and only time will tell that. I think we'll know fairly quickly, though, in terms of the type of staff he gets mm-hmm. uh, and the, the nature of 2020 and the loosened regulations on transfer rules and no red shirt. Um, you know, I think Arizona can take 28 in this current class, but I don't know how it works with even like how do traditional transfers work in in this in this modern 2020 yeah. COVID time? Like, could you have a junior transfer here knowing they're going to have playing time um, without having to sit out and basically call this year the redshirt year? I don't know the answer to that. Um and if you're a guy that's got NFL background and ties and you get some coaching staff that fills that out, maybe you can pull in some talent quickly. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm also hopeful, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it does. And that's why I put so much emphasis on the staff. And granted, we've seen, like, we know the right staff that makes all the difference because he's the head coach. He's kind of like the CEO. And he, to his credit, I think in this press conference, he said all the right things. You know, he did. I mean, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a low bar. No, though. but I'm, I'm saying, but like, so if you just went this with a, a blank slate, like, hey, let's see who this guy is. We don't, you know, right now you have no reason to think that he's going to be a train wreck. You're like, oh, NFL experience. Oh, he's coached with, you know, Harbaugh and Bill Belichick and Brian Billick and Steve Spurrier and all these elite level coaches. Like, oh, he's, he probably knows what he's doing. But because people are going to this with like the negative, like he's people already don't think he's very good. A lot of people don't think. Obviously, Dave Hickey and Robert Robbins don't feel that way. But there's a lot of the fan base who doesn't think Jed Fish is any good. But to this point, and he's been the head coach of Arizona as we're recording this for not even 12 hours. 
You know, like he hasn't done anything wrong. Now it's up to him. The first step is to hire that coaching staff. The next no. step is to re-recruit some of these guys in the transfer portal. Like since we last recorded, Grant Gannell, transfer portal. Mayjean Wright, some transfer those, portal. Some of those guys are going to come back. Booby Curry, transfer portal. Um, I guess Rod- Rodriguez, transfer portal. I saw that too. But can he re-recruit those guys and convince them to stay? At least the right ones. You know, he's got a lot of work to do. A lot of work. This is not an easy situation, and I have to imagine he's aware of that. So the fact that you know, how many coaches would want to take over this situation right now, too, we have to keep that in mind. Like Arizona, yeah. it's not a bad job, but at this exact moment, it certainly doesn't appear to be a good one. So, I mean, I, to, to your point, if 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 Jed Fish or anyone in his family has a Twitter account or is a subscriber to one of the message boards, he knows generally how much effort this job is going to take and from all reports he is a grinder right like he's he says he's like i said it's all it's all talk until somebody until the the winds are on the on the on the standings board right but you know if he's coming in here knowing that this is a massive uh lift not just on the football field but off it to get some some level of buy-in from the community for a athletic department that is decimated financially I think he's one of the his contract details. I I can't remember the details of it exactly, but it sounds like he's one of the lower paid head coaches, which leaves more right? room for assistance. Um, yeah, a little bit more room for assistance. I mean, if you want to take the optimistic take, this is you know you're you're throwing chips on a high risk, high reward type up and comer. Right? What's what's it, even the risk? The team is bad right now. The program's in bad. <laughs> now you could say well, like three well, more Jed- terrible years of relevancy doom you to. Irrelevancy forever? Is that the risk? Well, if, you're, if you're Jed Fish, this is... I, I, I almost analogize it to when um, Penn State had... I forget the name of the coach that came in after they got the death penalty, and it was like they had few scholarships, and it's like nobody really wanted to touch it, but it's some young... Was that Bill O'Brien, coach. or... Might have been. It was just like... Texans? Like, yeah, it's like there is that is a no-risk situation for that coach. Like, nobody has expectations... You're starting literally from nothing, and if you have any success, you're going to be called a success, and and like you're going to be in massive demand, right? And so for Jed Fish, maybe 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 this is his thing. Like, hey, I have that chance at a head coaching job, and now I get to build a program in my image from the ground up, and maybe it works out. Um, well, only time will tell. Uh, you know, it's. And and in the short term, it saves the university a little bit of money on the head coaching <laughs> salary, other than the seven and a half million to go to Kevin Sumlin. But you know, if if nothing else, he's you know he he has a he has a lot of uh, positive quotes on the the dust cover of his, the book of his life from past coaches. You know, there's some real names on there that can that are you know throwing a LinkedIn endorsement on him. Yeah. Uh, and- they don't necessarily have to do that. Like, and that's you look at it. And we're gonna we're gonna bring on Rob Byron to give us like the numbers perspective on this hire too, because we have the emotion, we have the, what we've read, but the numbers tell a, a story of their own. That's you know takes the emotion out of it. But like, you can look at it, all the job stops that he's had and be like, this guy can't hold a job. You can look and say, or he's also kind of in demand too. Like, why do all these amazing coaches keep bringing him on? Like, there's something there, but yeah. But what it leads to as a head coach for the University of Arizona, we'll have to see. Like he's going to need time, but if he brings in highly respected coaches and coordinators and that, then I think this could work. 
you know, then I think we'll be like, okay. The same thing with Herm Edwards. When he's bringing in some top-notch guys, you're like, oh, that's how it's going to be. That makes sense. This this could be a thing. If Jed Fish can do something similar for Arizona and show that the NFL connections he has, the connections he had to, to Michigan and Miami, all the different programs he's been at, can bring in talented coaches and recruiters and all that, then you're like, you can see this vision playing out. But like the day of, it certainly doesn't feel, it's not inspiring as a hire, but just because it's not inspiring today doesn't mean it's going to fail tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, the the real victim here is uh, Cam Newton and Patriots fans whose quarterback play is going to drop now for the rest of the season, I'm sure. I was looking at that, though. Cam Newton has the second <laughs> highest completion percentage of his career this season. Now, granted, he's thrown a lot more to his the other team than like when he's thrown an incomplete pass. It's largely gone to the other team. He has more interceptions than touchdowns, but his completion percentage is higher, like the second highest of his career this season. Just say, and also, it was like, oh, Bill Belichick disciples never work out. He's been with the Patriots for nine months or ten months. He's not exactly a Bill Belichick disciple as far as like a Romeo Cornell or a Charlie Weiss or a Bill O'Brien goes. So, I think that's a little bit overplayed. But, again, he's been around to a lot of places, has a lot of... The resume isn't a bad resume. It's just no. not an inspiring resume to be the head coach of the University of Arizona football team right now. But, like, I, just wait and see, right? Like, that's all we can do at this point. He's going to be the coach. <laughs> yeah. Like it or hate it, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, nothing that's happening. We're going to talk to Rob Bowen, like we said. But before we talk to the numbers guy to just tell us what we're not seeing... Let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. And as promised, we brought on Rob Bowen to give us the numbers perspective of the Jedfish hire because, Rob, as Brent and I were talking about, the initial reactions to Arizona catching their fish, I guess. if Like, there's another one for you, Brett, right? Or reeling fish in. Let's go with that. Have not Double been. Boo. It has not been a lot of excitement for Arizona fans. Maybe they wanted Brennan. Maybe they wanted Matalolo. Maybe they wanted someone else. But I feel like the more, like, I heard the press conference. I watched it. We watched it. And it's like, oh, they said the right things, but it's a press conference. Usually people say the right things in the press conference. But the more you look into Jed Fish, the coach, Jed Fish, the coach candidate, it doesn't necessarily seem to be that bad. Is that is that kind of how the numbers look or how you see this? Yeah, I, I was surprised. I, mean, uh, I, I mean, I'll stipulate I would have. I thought Brennan was the sort of like the odds on, you know, favorite that I would have hired, I guess you could say. Um, I thought Fish's resume was very good and intriguing. um, But I also thought that he probably needed, you know, 
I would I would have said that Jed Fish needed a group of five job head coaching job before he landed his his, his you know power five head coaching job. To be fair, though, a but, lot of people see Arizona basically at a group of five level right now. So it's, uh, in terms of power five good, jobs, on a good day, on a really good day. <laughs> but like some of the other stuff that people were throwing out there, I, I just thought was nonsensical. I mean, some of it, some of it, I think was like you know just some really you know some some sour milk from some people. But like the the like if you go and talk to people around the Michigan program uh, in particular, like they, they really love Jed fish and what he did. So he was there for two years. Um, he was their passing game coordinator. Um, and really in that role was more of like a Joe Brady type for that Michigan offense. Um, he came in in 2015 and 2014, they were 74 in beta rank uh, in their offense rank, which is an extremely bad power five offense. And uh, they were at 81 uh, in effective pass in beta rank the next season. They're at number 19 in beta rank on offense. They're at number 16 in effective pass in beta rank. I mean, just a huge improvement. Um, and people around Michigan were really hoping that fish was actually going to come, you know, that they like that, you know, at times have really hoped that fish would come back and that they would, you know, that he would be the full-time offensive coordinator. Um, and you really see like the next year in 2016, they were a little bit more run heavy. Um, you know, number 12 and effective rush that season. So they ran the ball more than they did um, throwing the ball, but they were still at number 16, uh, you know, overall offensively. Uh, and then, you know, the year after fish leaves and it's not just fish leaving, but they drop all the way to 74, um, you know, it, uh, you know, in, in uh, beta rank, they dropped to 94 in effective pass after he leaves. Uh, and after he leaves, it really ends up like a full turnover on the offensive staff. And they end up bringing in Josh Gaddis, um, who's their current offensive coordinator. Um, but he left to go be the, the offensive coordinator at UCLA. And yeah, I mean, this should sound more familiar to Arizona fans, right? And uh, a lot of Arizona fans don't remember. Like I, I used to crack jokes about this all the time. Like as Jim Mora had decided he was going to play He-Man football and uh, he hired, <laughs> I can't, it's like, I can't, I can't even remember the offensive coordinator he hired, but it went deeply, deeply wrong. Like running the truck nuts offense, like did not work. Um, and so the, that, that UCLA offense, um, you know, that they end up at in, in 2016 falling all the way to 100 in beta rank. I mean, really in the ditch, um, you know, and all the way down at 49, uh, you know, an effective pass in steps, Jed fish, uh, and really cleans it up. I mean, they, they jump all the way up to 34, uh, you know, in beta rank offensively. Um, they're in number six in effective pass. And that wasn't all Josh Rosen. I mean, if if you remember, um, you know, Rosen was injured uh, for parts of that. And, and Fish made the backup look pretty good when he played. Uh, so I just, uh, like from an X's and O's perspective, I mean, this is a guy that's really well respected. Um, he was the runner up, uh, you know, to Joe Moorhead for that Oregon job, the offensive coordinator job that, uh, you know, went to Moorhead this past off season. I just, I felt like a lot of people were running around just sort of uh, having wild overreactions. I mean, especially to a guy that, I mean, after working as an offensive coordinator, I mean, what we just talked about, you know, some, some pretty good numbers um, as an OC uh, and, you know, the passing game coordinator, he then goes and works as, you know, for Sean McVay as a, you know, as an offensive, you know, uh, staffer learning from one of the better offensive minds in the business. And then he spent this past year, you know, really with the Bill Belichick. So, I mean, there's, there's some really good stuff. I mean, there, there are a lot of jobs on his resume. He did come up through the pros, you know, in a lot of ways, 
He didn't, you know, ever really attach himself to a college head coach, you know, to spend like a lot of years, uh, you know, at one place. But, uh, you know, I would also say like, I mean, Arizona fans, like I, when I hear things like this, I'm just like, guys, like Arizona would be, we would be in a, a world of a better place if we were so good that someone wanted to hire our coach instead of everyone wanted to <laughs> fire our coach. Like, I mean, just, just imagine yeah. being in a world where like, USC was coming to hire your coach. Like imagine a world where like, I could, like that may make you sad. I'll deal with your sadness. I will take all of your sadness onto me and I will deal with it because like, that would mean we've won a bunch of football games. Our, our, our athletic department is nourished by your tears. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what I will do if a successful coach leaves. I'm like, let's get to the successful part first. Right. Like, hey, I mean, a lot of people were hoping for Rick Saban or Dabo Finney, but you get what you can get. <laughs> I mean, there are no sure. I mean, uh, really, other than Nick Saban, there are no sure things in college football hires, right? Like, I mean, there are a lot of hires that I really thought, even, you know, like, I mean, I, I'm not some expert prognosticator on the college hey, football hires. Rob, Rob, I said Rick Saban, not Nick. <laughs> I mean, St. Nick Saban, like, if you can get him, right? Well, that's <laughs> like Cliff Paul, right? Are we... <laughs> yeah. Just like magnet box and Sorny televisions on the Simpsons. Me and Adam have to work in Simpsons references. We do. It's part, it's part of the thing now. Also, uh, I, I think you brought you brought some really good perspective there with you know you and your data, Rob. <laughs> um, I mean, as an Arizona fan, I am I'm looking forward to any type of effective offense ranking uh, in general. <laughs> Because you're talking about the improvement in effective offense. I just want an effective offense that is not negative because that's what I yeah. felt like we had this year with what seemed to have more talent than results this season, I would say in general. Probably the most disappointing thing was the Arizona offense this year. Is that a, is that a fair thing to say? And do you think that Jed Fish is the right answer potentially for that as a schemer? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I thought people were a little... I mean, I, I thought Mazzoni's scheming and play calling were fine. The the underlying cause of all of Arizona's travails was the offensive line regressing to be one of the very worst offensive lines in all of college football. Um, I mean, there's there's no there's no sugarcoating how bad the offensive line regressed. Yeah. Um, and you really just you got to trace it back to I mean that Devan hire really just didn't work. Um, you know, for Arizona, the, uh, I thought, you know, the, the first off, you know, the first offensive line coach they had, who's, I can picture him right now. Was it's it Mahalik or was he before that? No, uh, yeah. Mahalchek was, he was before, um, oh, the, the one that was hired and then he went to the pros he was with Arizona for one year. So he, he was good. He was really good. And then he went back to coaching offensive line in the pros, but oh, yeah. you know, the, um, you know, it was Devan really, I mean, I just, it, it really just cratered. I mean, the guys just really struggled. I mean, if you watched Arizona's, uh, they really struggled to, to to figure out their assignments. Their footwork wasn't great. There was a lot of leaning, a lot of reaching. It just, it wasn't pretty. Um, and so I think, I mean, that, like, if you're, fish, fish, fish should be an upgrade over Mazzoni on scheme and play calling, for sure. Uh, and I expect fish to, you know, call the offense, run the offense. I mean, I, I, and I think he'd be smart to do that because it also might save him money on hiring an offensive coordinator <laughs> that he could throw at hiring a defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, Arizona staff pool is not bad from what they announced 3.7 million, especially if fish is calling plays on the offensive side, like you can stretch that. Um, but I mean, for, for me, like, I mean, the, this is going to be true of almost anyone, but Brennan that was mentioned in the hiring 
Um, and I would even say for someone like Jay Norvell, it would have been true too. Um, who's the, who's on the staff is going to be, uh, I mean, like the people misunderstand, like the most, the hardest part of being a head coach, the part that, you know, makes you or breaks you as a head coach is hiring. Right. Like, I mean, it is. And I mean, I, I hire people in my role. It's tough. And, you know, you, if you look at what did in someone, it was poor hiring decisions. Right. I mean, the same for Rich Rod, really. I mean, but if you well, usually if you go down that through, poor hiring decision, actually. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, retaining Marcel Yates was a, was a really bad decision. Hiring um, him in the first and, place wasn't great either. Yeah. And and that's where we sit. Like, I mean, I, my hope for fish uh, fish is that we end up uh, that he's not hamstrung that we don't have a holdover of Paul. I mean, that if he doesn't want Paul to keep Paul Rhodes, he doesn't have to keep Paul Rhodes. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yay or I mean, I, I would move on from Paul Rhodes. I thought it was okay. I thought some of the hires were, were, were pretty good. Um, and it was definitely an improvement over the prior defensive staff, which was like the Island of misfit toys. Um, but that's not to say that like, I mean, fish should go get whomever he can, um, you know, for this. I mean, it's his, it's his staff and it's going to make or break him, um, you know, but I mean, I think this look, I mean, I, I have a friend who's a, a, who's a, uh, a high school coach in Oregon. He was at a, a camp, um, you know, at the university of Oregon, um, and Jed fish, uh, you know, was invited by Mario Cristobal two years ago over the summer, uh, to be at that camp, uh, and to do some coaching there. And, you know, Cristobal, uh, was talking to, you know, my friend, the high school coach, and was just gushing about fish talking about his recruiting, talking about his work ethic, talking about his schematic knowledge, just gushing about the guy. Like, I just, I, I, I don't understand all of the, of the really negative. I mean, cause if you go, even if you go to like, look at, you know, the guys on 24 seven, that fish was like a primary or secondary recruiter on, there's some pretty good names on there, right? Like he's a, he's got a good reputation as a recruiter in college football. I just, I don't get it. I don't get all the hate. Is it because he hasn't proven it as the head coach? Do you think is like Brennan is a head coach, Namatololo head coach. Some of the guys they brought in before, like obviously someone didn't work out, but he was a head coach. Richard was a head coach. So there was a track record of that success. Fish is so much hypothetical right now. We're talking to Rob Bauer and beta rank sharp college football. Like fish, his resume has so many stops and some people think it looks bad, but I liked his answer in the press conference. He's like, well, I wanted to be a head coach, and that was my route to get. Like now, I'm a head coach. Like that, that makes sense. People usually would get promoted; they would take jobs that get them closer to the job that they actually want. Like that's not unheard of. And I think there's something to all these high-level coaches bringing him on their staff. Like there's a reason why all these really, really well-regarded coaches, like we want you to be a part of our program for however long he was there. But just he hasn't done it yet in this role, so that's the question. Like the resume is what it is, but the one thing it's missing is head coach like is that it you think i mean i think that's some of it i mean i i think that you know some of the some of the way that it got framed on one of the message board type sites i think also you know really you know may have driven some of the dislike and some of the narrative there i think too but i mean yeah i think so like if if i was going to hire if you were going to make a list of potential coordinator type hires that you might make for this job Fish isn't necessarily going to be at the top of my list for that, right? Like I probably would have gone out and talked to Alex Grinch at Oklahoma, Jim Leonard at Wisconsin, try to get a young up and coming defensive coordinator. I mean, what the heck make a run at Steve Sarkeesian in Alabama, right? Like, I mean, he's gone through the Nick Saban, you know, 
you know, uh, car wash and <laughs> gets to come back. <laughs> looking pretty shiny right out. now, yeah. <laughs> looking shiny. I mean, like he's, he's coordinating just a, a, one of the best offenses college football has ever seen, um, you know, and has some head coaching. I mean, I'd go make a run at those guys first, right? Like, um, you know, fish to me, like I said, like seemed like a guy that like probably needed to go prove it at the group of five level. But that said, like, as you go through the resume, as you talk to people about and you get the feedback on his work ethic and like how he really understands what it takes to, I think, like, I do think he, he understands what it will take to do this. Like, and he's not going to, if you look through his career, he doesn't seem to just sort of sit around and stand, stand pat, right? Like he seems to always be learning, always trying to, I mean, I don't mind somebody that's always trying to get ahead. Like you're hitching your horse, like Arizona and Jed fish are wedded at the hip right now. Like his success will be Arizona's success, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and vice versa. Right. So if it doesn't work like, out. Yeah. He's probably not getting a head coaching job somewhere else. Right. So if he's, I mean, if his, if, if, if he is trying to be successful for himself, like you're, you're sort of betting on that, right? <laughs> like, good, fine. Like, uh, let's go. Uh, I, I think that the, the, the feedback you get is generally positive. And that's where I like, I like where I hope for Arizona fans that they can say, look, I mean, the process may, may have seemed very messy. And I think that there are valid questions about the process. Um, I, I would say though, that this is not a bad football hire, right? Like it's, it's maybe not the hire that a lot of people would have made. It's not the hire that I would have made. However, this is not, I mean, like if, if you came in with some of the names that were thrown out there, like Mia Matsalolo, like Grant Cannell's not coming back out of the, the transfer portal from Mia Matsalolo, not in a million years. Are you saying right? he did not like, come to Arizona to run the triple option? <laughs> he did not. I mean, clearly, I mean, Grant Cannell, <laughs> I mean, I'm six, six. Like I feel for the man when he was running against USC, <laughs> and, but uh, I mean, I think Fish has a really good, you know, chance to get, you know, Gunnell and Curry and Wright out of the transfer portal and back. When you look at his numbers and you look at, you know, the, his dynamic passing offenses he's run, I absolutely think he has a chance to go get those guys back out. Um, you know, and if not, then, uh, you know, I think he's definitely shown that he can develop players, you know, and and help get them along. And I just, I, I, I really do think that for, you know, the, 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 the reaction to this, where people are sort of like really angry that he's not in Arizona. Like, I mean, you guys like Arizona is not some like wild football coaching hotbed. Like you're just, there's not like some extensive, like university of Arizona alumnus, like coaching network out there that you can go, that you can limit your search to like, we're only going to hire an alum, right? Like that's crazy. You, you know, though, if like urban Meyer had said he wanted the job, the people who wanted alone, like, well, Urban Meyer did vacation in Tucson one week back in 2002. So that's that's enough for us. <laughs> well, and, and a lot of stuff that people throw around, too, of like, oh, you know, like he's not this, he's not that. Like, you know, like no head coach can be everything, right? And like that's where the staff, filling out the staff comes in. Like Fish does not, does not clearly have connections into the Polynesian community. He's got to hire that onto his staff, right? Like that's something that we haven't seen really rich rod able to do we haven't seen you know we, we and we certainly didn't see kevin sumlin you know really able to do uh you know even do with the expectation that like we really thought that the um you know the defensive line coach that you know the jc guy i'm, I'm totally spacing his his name at the moment uh Ugalele, Ugalele, like we really thought like he was going to help like you know reopen that polynesian pipeline and he really really didn't i mean 
That is that is critical for Arizona to be able to he do. Showed, he, he showed a lot of fight, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, this is the, like, and I don't mean to be like, I mean, but like the, the number of people today who had like immense opinions about, you know, the this hire and the number of those people who also thought like Ugalele should have been the defensive coordinator after Yates got fired or that like retaining Marcel Yates was a really good idea. I'm just like, come on guys, like have a little humility. Like, I mean, there's a lot of crazy Arizona football fans who've had some really bad football opinions, you know, over the past couple of years are just like, maybe let this one ride out. Like before we have crazy opinions about it. I mean, Greg Hansen clearly had a reasonable take from what I saw of the snippets of his latest column. But yeah, I, you know, I'm not one of the people that thinks that Arizona needs an alumni by any means, but I, I do get a little bit concerned and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, Rob, of like, you know, there's, there's been plenty of times where fan bases haven't liked to hire initially and then it worked out. Um, and there's been plenty of times when I'm sure the, the conventional wisdom was correct. And, you know, most fans don't know as much as they'd like to think they know, you know, myself included. Right. My, my question is in a tight budget time and in a, period where you maybe don't have a lot of uh capital to spend if you're jed fish you know what's what's the what's the time horizon for him where he has to show significant progress to be able to win you know enough support over to maintain you know i i would actually even contend that kevin someone in the last 12 months started to like fix the roster in some ways and with the defensive staff in ways but it was too little too late and it you know spelled his certain doom right you know, how what, how much of a leash does Jed Fish get from, you know, Bobby Robbins, Dave Hickey, and Arizona Wildcats fans in general? I mean, I feel like he's probably got, like, a shorter leash among some fans than, than others, I would expect. But, like, you know, the, really, I mean, the, the bar for Arizona football right now, it couldn't be any lower after what we saw as it just, you know, went downhill, right? Like, I mean, what's what is there to... I mean, could it get any worse than the way? I mean, you could have you could have lost seventy to zero against ASU. Right. I mean, it, but, oh God, please don't say that. I mean, <laughs> if Jed Fish, if Jed Fish goes one in ten and beats ASU next year, they're they're starting to block off space for a statue at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I mean, I think really for him, uh, you know, like the the level, the the bar is pretty low in that. I think if he is able to show some level of exciting offense and you really should, I mean, like, you know, there are some air, like, and I, I, somebody had tweeted out, I, I think, you know, that no Arizona media member had said anything positive about the hire yet. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily a negative given some of the opinions I regularly see from Arizona. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, I resemble that remark. No, I mean, like some of the opinions <laughs> I see from like media, like, because there are people running around right now saying like the problem with the University of Arizona football was recruiting. And that's actually not like this roster is in a better place than it was when someone took over. Uh, um, I mean, you know, when it had players on it somewhat. I mean, like there are trouble there. There are some trouble spots now that are, you know, that, um, you know, that have emerged. I, I, if fish is able to go get some of those guys back out of the portal to find, I'm also less fussed because like, Man, like with the, the the portal, there is going to be a lot of people competing for roster spots this year. With, um, you know the the you know, the um, the the holiday. I mean, the, basically the COVID holiday on yeah. uh, you know counting against your uh, you know your, your eligibility. Your five yeah, years. yeah, yeah, yeah. Eligibility. Ari- yeah, that's the word. 
Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Er, I'm, a, I'm one of those Arizona, Arizona media fan. types with the words. That's no, no, I mean. but I mean, like, I mean, like you're, you're going to be able to fill out, you know, some holes on your roster in the portal this year um, for sure. And, uh, you know, so even if you lose some guys there, you know, there should be some decent players available to go get. I just, I, I'm, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you look at the defensive line and the offensive line, which is where Rich Rod really real, I mean, beyond the fact that he never recruited anyone over six feet tall to play wide receiver, um, other than Poindexter, the, if you look at like the, those, like those, there, there is a lot better depth than when someone took over. I think there's just room for improvement coaching wise, you know, like certainly Arizona's recruiting could improve. I mean, Arizona's the majority of Arizona's recruiting is still going to be three-star players. You need to let start landing higher three-star players and developing them. Right. And that's, that's where someone really, you know, I think fell off. Right. I mean, people sort of look at it and like, uh, I think this is the wrong take of like someone and, and Rich Rod both recruited three-star players. I'm like, yeah, but not every three-star is the same, right? Like someone was recruiting different body types than Rich Rod was like bigger guys for the most part, um, you know, that could really play at a power five level, um, you know, if you develop them. And I, I think fish, you know, there's an opportunity here for competency because I, I still think that if you can get, if you can hire an offensive line coach that just isn't as bad, <laughs> you can, you can teach the guys to, you know, I don't know, like, I don't care whether you, I don't care whether it's, you know, you run a zone man or zone blocking scheme or you run a man blocking scheme. I don't care. Just pick one because Arizona didn't do, you know, anything. They were running zone this last year and it wasn't running particularly well, um, <laughs> you know, and their pat, you know, their, their pass and, and, and their blitz pickups, you know, their, their ability to recognize and you know, know their assignments was obviously off. Right. Like, I mean, there were some really bad misses. Um, particularly from the guards uh, in a lot of the games. So like just cleaning that stuff up. Like I like, you know, I really, really hope Canell is back. I really like, Wright. I know a lot of fans are excited about him, um, but you know, for fish, like hire a good wide receivers coach that can teach the guys to run routes because the last two wide receivers coaches didn't do a great job at that. You know, like hire a good offensive line coach and, but it is, it's going to be the staff. So Let's see. I mean, he's got a lot of connections. This was supposed to be something that someone was really good at. He wasn't, right? Someone had been around and had a lot of connections in football. Fish, like, let's hope it works this time, right? Because, like, you know, that's the advantage of him over, like, an Antonio Pierce, a guy that, like, his superpower is recruiting, if you will, um, but doesn't have the connections across college football, has only been in college football for three years to be able to, like, be able to put a, you know, make a call, you know, call, make some calls around and be able to put a staff together. Hey, Rob, you, you, you made me come up with a good idea of who would be a good wide receiver coach uh, that has really good experience. Brent Brennan. Great experience <laughs> as a wide receiver coach. I think he just signed an extension. Good for him too. Sticking with cost of living at? in Tucson, man. He could, he could match the salary and be living like a king in Tucson. Oh jeez, there's like there's some like easy ones to go pick up, right? Like go after BYU's offensive line coach. They had a great offensive line the last couple of years. Like go after him. Like he's you know you can out you can outbid BYU for his services. Like why not? I I think that's what it comes down to is the staff and Rob Bowen. Before you let you go, you know Beta Rank Sharp College Football. Is there anything you want to promote that you got coming up, or is there? Can we look forward to the why Jed Fish was going to turn around Arizona football? by the numbers like what what can we look forward to coming from you or how can we find it 
Well, I'm not, I am not going to sign up to do that, unfortunately, over the holiday season, because I just bought a house and like, I, I, I'm basically working a job as a contractor at the moment on top of, um, what I will like, what I am going to try to do is before the playoff games, I'll try to release a video on sharp college football. Um, and if you want it, I mean, you can go look at all the numbers that I have on, uh, you know, going back all the way to 2012. Um, you know, I have drive level data on every college football game. Um, going back to 2012. So go check it out at, at sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, we have a YouTube, you know, uh, a channel and we'll put out a, uh, a preview uh, previewing the, uh, the BCS uh, playoff games uh, next week. Awesome. Rob, thanks for joining us for helping maybe talk some people off the ledge when it comes to Jed Fish. And Brett, I guess it's <laughs> for anyone who is still upset about the hire of Jed Fish, like there are as Rob presented, reasons to feel like, hey, this guy can coach offense and with his connections could potentially bring in a very good staff. I think, I mean, that that's where it's at right now. Like, no one's saying that it's going to work. Just what Rob's saying, what I've been saying, and I think you agree with is that it can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the phrase beggars can't be choosers definitely comes to the forefront of my mind right now um and you can you can you can build a strong case for uh jed fish and you can you can you can knock him for some things and you can be critical and i think those are perfectly fair criticisms at the end of the day we don't know at this point it's too early it's way too early especially until he gets a staff um and especially until we see them on the field and you know 12 months from now we'll we'll have a lot clearer sense of the direction of the program. And hopefully, you know, hopefully there's nowhere to go but up. So <laughs> he may benefit from the, the, you know, the realization of, uh, of beating low expectations. But, you know, like I said, I'm skeptical, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, I think that's where we got to be right now. I mean, he is, he is the coach. And I guess I was, I was pleased to hear that at previous staffs like Michigan and UCLA where he had a, greater hand in their offense is that the offense has improved. Like that gives you some confidence that, Hey, maybe this guy does know how to coach offense. And if he can be a good play caller, a good guider of that offense, then that's at least one side of the ball that you don't have to worry about. And then with the salary budget for assistance, if you can find a good defensive coordinator and a good staff, they can fix that too. So time will tell, but we're going to take some time Brad, to take a break. Before we come back, we're going to play our interview with, New Arizona Wildcat, Davis Duvall. We had a chance to talk to him and his father. This was Monday before the Jed Fish hires, so a little bit of context for you there, but he had a lot of great things to say about why he chose Arizona, his path to the Wildcats, and what type of player he expects to be for Arizona. So that'll be coming up after this break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything. No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 
510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are excited to be joined by one of the newest Arizona Wildcats, Davis Duvall and his father, John. Guys, welcome to the show, and welcome to the University of Arizona. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. I guess... The first question is a natural question. You transferred from Baylor. Why the University of Arizona? Well, I mean, it's close to home. And, you know, I have I think after high school, I've, it was always a dream of mine to come to U of A. And it just so happened that I'd have to go to Maine and c- commit to Temple and then have to go to Baylor and then end up coming home. It's a long path, but <laughs> it's finally here. And I'm just happy to be able to go to, the, you know, my dream school. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Scottsdale to Maine to Philadelphia to Waco to Tucson. It's a logical route. Yeah, it's <laughs> a slight detour, I guess. But you know, traffic's always they're always working on stuff. But it's the important thing is you yeah. made it to the school you wanted to be at. Exactly. Well, it's got to be exciting for for you, Davis, and for you, John, that you're going to be playing your home games just down the road, where it'll be easy for friends and family to come watch you play. Right. Exactly. I can't tell you how many people. Uh, you know, Brett, being in commercial real estate, so many people that I do business with here in Phoenix have said, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to. I'm so glad there's someone that we know now playing there. We're going to be going to every game. Where are we tailgating? You know, they're already fired up. So it's pretty exciting uh, for our whole family. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I guess the question I have, like might be a surprise to you guys. I've never been recruited as a high level college athlete. That never happened for me. So the, okay. the process, how that ends up, because like if Arizona is your dream school and you obviously didn't start there, and a lot of people start elsewhere before landing with the school they ultimately finish at, but like, how does that process work? Because, I mean, obviously, like, Baylor's a high-level program. They're well thought of. And just to end up at other places before Arizona, like, how does that path come about? I mean, it takes a lot of work, but, I mean, I never really got recruited out of high school because I was undersized and – I was probably about 250 pounds, like 6'3", and I kept growing, and I went to a prep school, and I mean, it it was a long time before I really blew up. Okay. You really have to kind of prove to other people that you're worth, you know, $100,000 or, you know, that much money each year for a scholarship, and I think it's awesome. Recruitment is awesome because it's just – coaches calling you talking about how great you are and how they want you on board. And it's always just kind of, you're always sitting on the phone like, well, this is actually happening. It's very surreal. It's a very surreal experience. That's about all I have to say about that. You know, just to amplify that a little bit, I think Davis is being a little bit modest about his story. Richard Obert, you know, who covers high school sports for the Republic, wrote a couple of really nice articles about Davis because it really is not the typical story. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, to be, he didn't play football till high school for, for one thing. He played soccer and baseball and he played everything, but he was a travel soccer player. And, you know, he was always a above average size kid and a really good athlete, but, you know, we didn't really think about football. Um, but then, so, you know, and he got to Notre Dame, we said, okay, you can play if you want. And, he was a backup on their freshman team that was undefeated. And then he played JV, you know, yeah, as a sophomore, sophomore, right? And then uh, 
junior year, they were really good. They had a really good class of his freshman class. And then he was a starting defensive end in junior year. And, you know, they were good. He was hurt, you know, a good chunk of the year. And then he showed up. We got a call. My wife and I were in the car. And it was the first, second or third day of camp his senior year. And I saw one of the coaches calling through the car and they said, uh, hey, you know, what did you do with him over the summer? And we're like, oh, <laughs> and just not too much. He lifted a little bit. He, but And they said, well, we're going to play him on both sides. And like, is that okay with you? And we're like, sure, that's fine. What do you mean both? Yeah, offense and defensive line. We had him on O-line today and not one guy could get by him. <laughs> so we're like, oh, okay, great. You know, sounds good. And then they're like, who are you talking to? Now, remember, he's a senior at this point. And we're like, about, I literally said this, about what? <laughs> he said, college football. So we're like, nobody. Yeah. So by that point, you know, usually, which we know now, you would have been going to camps, you know, before your senior year and all that kind of stuff. We didn't do any of that. So he started every game. They went to the state championship game, played at, you know, in Arizona Stadium. And, um, we, he had a lot of small, I don't mean to, this is not about me, but it's sort of an interesting, you know, backdrop, right? He had, you know, D2 offers, all the J junior colleges here in America, Culp County wanted him back when they still had, you know, junior college football. U of A came to see him a couple of times. McCalzick um, was the O-line coach back then. Rich Rod was the coach. And I, he told me afterwards, they probably were going to offer him a preferred walk-on spot, but we, we had become aware of the prep school route where you can go and play for a post-grad year, kind of like taking a gap year, but, you know, it's in, in, we kind of felt like he was a good candidate that for, you know, a few reasons, but to be more ready for college and also you don't lose any eligibility, right? So we're like, huh. So we did. We went out about this time, two years ago, yeah. and toured some places. We picked a place called Bridgeton Academy. It's an all-boys fifth year only school. So he, we ended up doing that. And then he, we found a trainer and he started lifting weights that spring for the first time really ever. And about, you know, 25 pounds later, he started looking like really like a football player. Yeah. And uh, with Rob Gentile, Scott Stuff Combine. And then we did go to the camps because he reclassified then to a, a class one year later. Right. So he and I went to a bunch of camps that whole summer before Maine and we went all over the country. And uh, his, then the last one we went to was Temple, who loved him, and they offered him right on the spot. Oh, wow. And they wanted him to not go to prep school. They wanted him to come right away. And I, I you know, in hindsight, I knew why. But we, we kind of compromised and said we still want him to go. And, uh, but we'll pull him out after a year so he can be there for spring football. And then what happened is that Temple was afraid of, he blew up then after that. He had offers from all around the country because he played really well there and he was what 30 pounds bigger than high school and he was a pretty dominant player so that's when he had offers from oregon baylor maryland uh temple and then we started seeing the business side of college football too the temple coaches all left to go to church attack and anyway that's when he kind of blew up in terms of really being recruited and things like that and it, it was one of the we really all felt as a family we we were able to see him play in person out there in maine once but that was a really good experience. You know, you really grew up there and uh, football was very positive, but school and just the experience of being away for the first time, uh, that's kind of where it really started to happen for Davis, I would say. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's where I really started to really enjoy football when I started to kind of fit my body out and just, I don't know, kind of just see my full potential of college football. And it was just 
an amazing experience. And I mean, I've been, I always think back on it every once in a while about just, yeah, I don't know. That's great. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. That was when it was a crazy kind of just talk the end of that season thing. because, you know, Mario Cristobal calling Baylor, Baylor coaches on private planes, you know, here in Scottsdale and Maine and um, the Maryland guy. That was probably the when we first saw that the most. Well, you, going through it the second time, Davis, in COVID, has been a lot different. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys did yeah. it right, though. You want to get bigger before college, not like 15 years after college like myself. At this point, it's this is all the bad way. You had the good weight. You did it the right way. So if only I'd known. Then what I know now, based on this story, my life could have been a little different too, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Well, it's interesting for you, Davis, coming as a as a late bloomer. I was somebody who was a late bloomer myself. I grew a foot in height in high school, but I <laughs> was a little too lean to ever be anything close to alignment. I'm probably about your same height, but even today at 36, I'm probably 50 pounds behind you. Um, <laughs> That's good. But you know, it's it's interesting. I think for for like Wildcats fans that are interested in seeing you get on the field. You, know, you were a late bloomer, kind of an under-recruited guy until you blew up. Then you did the prep school year, and then you redshirted this past year. So for a late bloomer, you're going to be pretty physically mature for somebody with a lot of uh, you know, eligibility left once you get to Arizona, right? You, you guys yeah. have a full, you'll have a full four years? Yeah, I'll have a full four years left. That's right. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I think that's going to be really exciting because I know uh, a challenge for a lot of young linemen is when they're physically developing, they're not necessarily ready to get on the field, and you're going to be a little – you'll now have a step ahead on everybody, even as a late bloomer. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Now, John, you mentioned so, the, uh, COVID, like oh. recruitment during COVID time, obviously, is not the same as it was non-COVID time, I would assume. Yeah, it, it's all – I mean – it's just a lot more phone calls. Like they can't see you in person. And I, I wasn't able to do an official visit or, I mean, I actually went down there to go see the school when they offered me just to kind of refresh my mind about Tucson because I hadn't been there in probably a year and a half. And I mean, it's just a lot of technology. It's not really face to face. You can't yeah. see them, which calls. is, I mean, yeah, a lot of zoom calls and it wasn't, I mean, that was a, probably the biggest difference. And, yeah, I mean, that's about it. It's just, yeah. I think you throw in there, too, we talked to a lot of schools during this semester, but, you know, um, there was a lot of roster uncertainty, right, that all, you know, who's going to come back, and they're not losing eligibility. So um, that throw that into there, too. It's, it's, it was very, very different than the first time. Well, and even with, you know, all the uncertainty across college football, there's even more uncertainty at University of Arizona with the the recent decision to fire Captain Sumlin. Um, I'd love for you guys to kind of talk about what made you feel comfortable still committing to the University of Arizona without a coaching, coaching staff in place. Uh, and, you know, I won't ask you to, to speculate on who you would hope gets to be the coach, but like Davis, what are you looking for uh, out of a head coach? Potentially some qualities and characteristics. And John, as the parent of a, a future Wildcat, what are you looking for? I'd say, first of all, it, after being in college football for long enough, it's more about the school. It's not just about the coaching staff, because at the end of the day, you never really know if they're going to stay or not. And I think, I think some more important characteristics that I'm looking for is just head coaches that know how to just amplify the locker room and like just 
set the tone for practice and games and just be able to kind of just make us feel good about playing football and being able to play for him. And I'd say that's about it for me. Yeah, that's that's pretty well put. I think we we learned Davis has seen it, you know, more than most for someone who's a redshirt freshman still that the business side of it, right? So first time we went on a recruiting visit, we heard that and we thought it was just sort of cliche, like, hey, you got to pick the school, you know, not the coaches and all that kind of stuff. And you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. I, I think truly this time that he did pick that. This is where he wanted to be. Now, you know, we watched the games pretty critically this fall. And what we were looking for was, hey, are they competing? Because we knew that they had a lot of guys leave. Like, I'm just certain they would have won a couple of those games, for example, if Colin Schooler was still linebacker there, right? He would have stopped some of those long runs. I mean, just as one example, right? So they, they just couldn't get too many breaks this year. But we felt like they were playing hard. Obviously, let's just take the ACU game out and that, just, just throw that out, right? We'd yeah. all like to, I, trust me. We're all that. the same about I, that. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, exactly. I, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that, right, like we talked about that quite a bit. And and I think what David saw with uh, Matt Rule, for example, is like, wow, well, you know, what, there's a reason that guy's coach of the Panthers right now who recruited him and who coached. He's an O-line guy. He coached Davis hard. We have these clips from practice, you know, that we were sending out to schools when he was at Baylor and Matt rule right out there on the field, very active, just participating in my ear consistently. I mean, yeah, either it was good or it was bad. And if it was bad, he was letting you have it. Mm. He was letting you know that, Hey, you messed that play up and I'm not going to let it go. So, so the coach is really, we feel it's sort of like the CEO, right. And he sets the tone, like Davis was saying, he sets a tone at practice and in the locker room. So I think that, he, he said it way obviously better than I, that that's what you need. That's what he's looking for. And hopefully that's what um, Arizona will hire. We just kind of felt like as a family that we're trusting that the, the administration is going to make a good hire here. Right. And so put a little, we had to put some faith in that and know that he wants to be there. And then I, I would add probably that what we learned through the last couple of years is where you really spend your time, you know, 90% of the time is with it's your position. With, coach, it's with right? your O-line coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, found that coach Devon, we started to be grow a really good relationship together. And that was honestly one, another huge factor of me coming to U of A is that I really like the O-line coach. And I don't know, I could just see us being really good friends and, you know, 50% of the time, of course, because he's got to <laughs> teach me hard and coach me hard. Like he should, like every O-line coach should. And, you know, that's, 50% him probably yeah, too. We became really, you know, I will, the one thing we will say about that is we have both said, you know, to anyone who asks us, we hope we're really hoping they keep him. Um, you know, he's only been there one year. So you, uh, you know, the O-line play needs to get better. And that's one of the reasons Davis wants to be there, but he's a, we've heard nothing but good things about him. And this guy that's been training Davis and, he can tell you more about what he's been doing this semester, but one of the guys that's been training him that played uh, in the NFL for a long time uh, knows him, coached Devon really well, and spoke very highly of him to us. So that was impactful to us too. We're joined by Davis Duvall, one of the newest Arizona Wildcats here on Wildcat Radio 2.0 line with his father, John. And it's funny that you say that, I guess, when you look at what you're looking for for a coaching staff, obviously you were a late bloomer and it's almost like 
maybe start to ask, oh, I could have a future in football, right? College football and then perhaps beyond that. But there are no guarantees when it comes to the coaching staff. So I like that answer. But you go to the school. It really is about the school. Like the coaches recruit you, but the school is where you go. But yeah. just how Because you didn't sign until this past week after this 12-game losing streak the program is on, after the coaching change was made. So was there any sense of hesitation there, or was it still an easy decision? Uh, it was still an easy decision for me. I still just think back to when I was in high school and – thinking that that's my dream school and it's never changed since then. And it was not a hard decision for me. And it looks like there is opportunity though, because the offensive line, oh, yeah. some guys leaving and they're like, you look at that and say, okay, I could step in and get some immediate playing time too. Was that part of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to take a lot of competing and hard work for sure, but I'm looking forward to the grind and just seeing if I can compete. Yeah, chance to play early for sure is, you know, he's got to prove it, but that was, that's appealing. I, there was a, only one or two times after that game when we, we kind of felt that even during the ASU game that maybe this is going to happen, right? And I, I looked Davis in the eye once that night and once later that weekend after he had a little more time to think about it. He's like, he didn't even hesitate. So right. I, I never brought it up again. Well, Cats fans will love to hear that, I'm sure of it, you know, because obviously a time like this, everybody wants players who want to be there who want yeah. to willing to go through the grind, willing to work, understanding that, hey, it's it's not necessarily the best situation, but it can get better, and you want to be one of the people who helps make it better. Exactly. I want to, yeah, I definitely want to be one of the players that helps uh, turn around the team and turn around the whole uh, what people think about the Wildcat team. So, Davis, with that in mind, uh, when, when we're talking to our Wildcat fans that are listeners of Wildcat Radio 2.0 here, what kind of a player are they getting in you? I think they're getting a tough, nasty player who likes to play fast and doesn't give up when the going gets tough. I think that'll be music to a lot of Wildcats fans' ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I th- yeah, I think, you know, as as we kind of talked about, there's been obviously a lot of changes and a lot is still in flux, but, you know, there's something clarifying about the, the, the game that will not be named that yes. I think it's kind of... Uh, there's an argument to be made that it's gotten everybody to refocus their efforts and make sure they're all pulling the rope in the right direction. I think having players, uh, you know, student athletes like yourself will go a long way towards getting people pulling the rope in the same direction. Definitely. Do you have any friends or people you know that are on the team right now on the roster that maybe kind of helped during this virtual recruiting process too that you're looking forward to catching up with? Or, um, the only person that I personally know. That was that went to Notre Dame. His name is Trey Cartledge. Okay. Um, he was two years younger than me, and um, I talked to him a few times. I'm going to be living with him and Cam Fitz, and uh, I mean, I think Cam helped a lot. I just met him through one of my buddies, one of my really good best friends from Notre Dame, and um, I, I'd say they all kind of just helped just a little bit. But I think it was all mainly just my decision. Nice. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, Go ahead. So you're one of 16 people who signed in the early signing period there. And I have a feeling that if things do turn around, and I know Brian and I are confident that this is a pretty good recruiting class already. Like you'll be part yeah. of that group that Wildcats fans look at and say they stuck with the program when the program was at its lowest point and helped get it back together. I mean, I'm sure you're obviously confident in yourself. Everyone who's signing is confident that they are going to help the turnaround. 
But is that something that you kind of think about that, hey, if we do this, like we will be those guys for the University of Arizona? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll be remembered, you know. Definitely. That's, that, that's, that's music to my ears when you say it like that. I mean, <laughs> help turn the program around. Us, us 16 guys just working really hard to just be the best we can. And, you know, you're going to be older than those guys, too, so you can help sort of show them the ropes a little bit and maybe be a little bit of a mentor to some of those guys. And Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing, uh, you know, Adam and I both spent some years living in Tucson when we were students there. It's a big, small college town, and I think that the, the entire town and the, the state, you know, Wildcats everywhere are all ready to get behind you guys. Um, what's the what's the one thing you're most looking forward to in the fall, assuming uh, COVID clears and you can get to, to, you know, fall practice? What's the thing you're looking to most once you get on campus, Davis? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I honestly am just looking forward to be playing football again because it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've been able to just, like, get back into that grind and kind of just feel what it's like to be a football player again. And honestly, I, I love the weather down in Tucson and um, I'm a big fisherman and hunting kind of person. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to finding new spots to go fishing. If, you know. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting some new people for sure. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's about it. Yeah. This time last year, we were, you're doing sugar bowl practices. Yes. And then, uh, you know, spring football was canceled. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a little time since you played, but that one of the things that was a godsend for us when he got back from down there was that we got connected with Warren Anderson, who, who owns rehab plus on Thomas and 44th. And he, he played for the Broncos, uh, tons of people here. He worked, he trains, you know, a lot of college and pro athletes. And he has, I would say that Davis is probably in the best shape he's been in maybe ever. And then he's the one that connected us with Adam Snyder, who was a 10 year NFL offensive lineman. And he's been trained in Davis on the other days. So it's definitely not been a wasted time. He's been working hard and he's, he's, I always think he's in the best year in the best shape I've ever seen you in. Yeah. Kind of all around. And uh, with, so he's been training hard. We'll be ready to go going to say that that makes one of us being in the best shape they've ever been. So congratulations again <laughs> to you. Thank you. Uh, is there any, before we let you go, is there anything that you want the you know, listeners of Wildcat Radio 2.0 or any just Wildcats fans out there to know about you, your process, just like where you're at right now that you haven't said or we haven't asked? Well, I just want the fans to know to stick with us and just have our backs and just know that in time we will be the best football team that we can possibly be as long as we just perfect our craft and just stay with it no matter what. That works for me. I think that works. Like that's, that's, I think an answer that everyone will like, like everyone is a Wildcats (laughs) fan. That's what you want to hear because we all know that the program is not where we want it to be fans, coaches, players, but we also know that it can turn around and hearing that you're going to be one of those guys that helps do that. I think it's going to excite a lot of people. Good. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to meeting some new people down there and seeing how excited people are about Wildcat football. All right, Davis, John, thanks again for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0. 
Uh, good luck the rest of this off season, and hopefully we'll catch up with you guys again down the road. But once again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure for sure. Yeah, thanks. 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 Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so thanks again to Davis and his father, John, there. I, You know what, Brett? I think where Arizona's at at this point in the program, it's like you want people who want to be there. And Davis Duvall definitely wants to be with Arizona. Now, they didn't know who the coach was going to be when we talked to him. You know, that's fair. And I'm sure they have some opinions on that. But he also said he wasn't committing to a coach. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed with Arizona. He was committing to the school, his dream school. And if there's enough players on the team who are like that, then this very well could turn around. Yeah, and I think, you know, Davis seems like the kind of kid who's doing what we all kind of want more college uh, or prospective college athletes to do, which is commit to the school, not the not the, the coach or the coaching staff. Um, which in, in, in hindsight is usually always the, the right decision. But when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, it maybe isn't, uh, you know, I thought, I thought, I, you know, it seems like Davis and his dad, John, they have, they're doing things for the right reasons. They're approaching things in the right way. Uh, they seem pretty excited to be bought into the, to the Arizona football program and, and wanting to really help build it from ground up because, Lord knows that we need that kind of mentality going in there, um, and it's it's he's he's the kind of player that makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about the future of the program. Yeah, absolutely, and he's also a pretty talented player. Like his story was an interesting one, but he ended up in the place he wants to be, and the place he wanted to be was Arizona. So, you know, good luck to Davis and John. You know, he gets to watch his kid now a lot closer. Uh, than before, so hopefully that works out. Hopefully they can be a part of the rebuild of the Arizona football program now, along with head coach Jed Fish. Um, Brett, we have a few minutes left here. We can talk about Arizona basketball, the men's team. The women's team, they're fine. There's really nothing to talk about. They just keep rolling. That's great. The men's team went to Stanford. We talked about how that was going to be the, their first really big test of the season. You could argue they failed that test. Arizona lost that game to Stanford. A poor first half, made a rally in the second half, had a chance to win the game. They did not win the game. I don't feel worse about them after that one because they did come back, and it's like, yeah, make some free throws and you win the basketball game. But like, how did you see – they since won a game. They played Montana State. They won that game, whatever. But like, how do you see the Arizona Wildcats, the men's basketball team, right now compared to a week ago? I don't think my perspective has changed – uh, Stanford was clearly the biggest challenge of the year so far in terms of just the raw talent that they were facing. And I think they, you know, had mixed results. Uh, not They didn't fall on their faces. They didn't play their, they certainly didn't play their best. You know, they, they showed some fight. They were fairly competitive. You know, they kind of fell off a little bit defensively, I think, in terms of adjusting to better athletes. Um, and, and that kind of showed up in their like points per possession. And I think Sean Miller called out because actually defensively, this team has been, you know, low key, a good defensive team. For the most and part, I yeah. The, and I think this was the first game where the points per possession was above uh, one. Um, but to your point, if, you know, <laughs> uh, James Akinjo, who, you know, basically like set a school record of hitting like 14 out of 14 free throws, doesn't completely tank. You know, it's it's maybe a different outcome in that game because um, I, I forget what he was. It was like four of 
11 or some stupid number. It wasn't I don't a, have and, it and Stanford missed a lot of free throws, too. But if you're if you're watching this Arizona team expecting great things, you're in the minority. But this was their first road game, the first time out of sight of McHale, and they were playing a pretty veteran team with some good players. Like Stanford is going to be an upper half of the Pac-12 type of team. Arizona oh, yeah. competed. And like we've since learned, too, like Kirk Carissa will be eligible to play in like two months, February. Terrific. You know, but for Arizona, their first game away from McHale, it was a tough environment, like a tough, tough team to play away from home, one of the better teams, and they acquitted themselves fairly well. Like, do they have room to improve? Absolutely, but we knew that was the case. But they weren't outclassed. They belonged on that court, and they had a chance to win the game. Jamal Baker was at again in that one. I think, what, he made like eight threes or something? Like, or he was just unreal. Like, he's been he's been really, really good. So, like, they're not going to win every game. Like, that's not going to happen, but they competed in that one. They won their first game after that, like, they have room to improve, but their floor right now, like their floor as we talk on December 23rd, is fairly high. Or at least it's high enough to feel good about what they have going on. Yeah, I I think their floor is like fifth or sixth place in the Pac-12, to be honest. Um, and I think their ceiling is considerably higher. I don't know. If, I think they're a ways away from being the clear best team in the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. I um, agree with that. But I, I, I also think that potential is there. Do I, you know, is that the most likely outcome? Maybe not. Maybe with when, you know, my new man crush, Kirk Carissa, is on the, on the court and adds another shooter. Maybe so. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, you've seen flashes. Jamal Baker consistently being, you know, better than Anaheim Dylan Smith is a fundamental game changer for the, both the floor and the ceiling of this team. And if he keeps playing like this, and it's, you know, it's been more than a one-game anomaly at this point. Even if he approaches it, that's a that's a game changer. Um, and Jordan Brown has had games been fantastic in a few games where he's somewhat disappeared, partially just because Pac-12 refs will uh, just call an offensive foul if somebody falls down next to him. Um, I like sarcastic Sean Miller about telling his guys like he's like, "We well, need to take more charges," and that's defense, and that's I have to coach my guys to do that. Like that's. That, that's one of the best, Sean. Like, bitter Sean Miller is one of my favorite Sean Millers. I don't even know if it was sarcastic because he was literally like, oh, I'm going to start coaching them to fall down, and I will get calls <laughs> according to how this is being called. Um, you know, there's still things you'd like to see a little bit more improvement on. If Christian Coloco realizes he's bigger and stronger than everybody, he just dunks the damn ball, that's a that's a massive difference, right? He's, he's, he's um, down to a five-star recruit, I think, now, based on his lack of dunking. He's barely in the in the a top ten recruit now. <laughs> um, you know, so there's there's. I don't think we're even close to what the potential for the team is, but I think they've established a floor that should make Arizona fans feel fairly comfortable, um, in terms of not having a disaster type season, if that makes sense. Uh, and that Stanford game is potentially a good learning experience. Um, and even the game is against Montana, like they've had some like better than the name would suggest challenges. Yeah, well, they've been um, tougher games and they've shown some things to win all but the Stanford game. Their next one that's on the schedule is Colorado uh, next week. We'll see if that happens. Arizona seems to be losing a lot of games through fortunately up to this point, no fault of their own when it comes to COVID. But of course, they've been They've been on the wrong side of game cancellations so far this season, which a team like this needs to play games. They have so many young players, so many new faces that they need the games a lot more than the other, like a lot of other teams might. But from what they've done, they're six and one right now. 
Again, their only loss was a close one to Stanford on the road. I, I think we'll take that in this season and how they got there. I think that's how it looks right now. So, you know, to recap, football, Jed Fish, the coach, we'll see. Men's basketball had their first loss, but, hey, it could be a lot worse. Like, we're fairly pleased with what we've seen with room to improve. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, to this extra-large edition of Wildcat Radio 2.0. We packed a lot in there, but there was a lot to talk about. We kind of we slow-played it to start the show, I think. <laughs> yeah, spe- special thanks to both Rob Bauer and, and uh, John and Davis Duvall for joining us. Absolutely. Um, I think both were very good and insightful conversations that will – That'll, that most of the people that are listening will probably find very interesting and, you know, I think encouraging over the future state of the of the Arizona football program. Yeah, we're not here to tell you everything's going to be great, but we're trying to just like, hey, here's, here's how it is. It, it's not necessarily the doom and gloom that a lot of people were feeling when they found out that Jed Fish was going to be the head coach or just look at their rosters. So uh, make sure you rate and subscribe to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Smash that subscribe button, as some people say. We'll talk about whatever happens over this next week. You know, but until then, remember, happy holidays, stay safe, and remember to bear down. Bear down.